0: Welcome to Pathway to Faith with Bishop Steve Howell. Turn your expectations high as you receive the word from our man of God. Prepare yourself to hear a life-changing message. Let's tune in now. So the title of the message today is What Shall They Call Me? What shall they call me? In other words, what's my name? In other words... What's my name? When we left on Wednesday, we said we had eight days until the new year. Today is day four, and I hope you've been counting. Because on the eighth day, they said that Jesus was circumcised, and then they named him Jesus, the name he was given before he was conceived. And so the message on Wednesday was, what will they call you on that eighth day? What are they going to say over you on that eighth day? What are they going to say? So we'll start with Matthew four. If you'll go there with me, Matthew four and verse one, we'll start at one. Because the interesting thing is I was like, okay, well, I got to follow this up. Now I got to follow it up with somebody whose name has been changed. I was like, right. I got to find somebody whose name has been changed and they countless people in the Bible whose name has been changed but I was like, okay so I was reading about Abraham Abram to Abraham Sarah to Sarah Sarah to Sarah and I was like uh, it, you know how it just quite doesn't it the Holy Ghost is like no nah, that's not where I'm going this is not it and so I kept looking and I kept looking and finally I just put I just put my Bible down because um, when I get in the space of being anxious, I'm trying to rush and find stuff. I'm trying to hurry up and do it. So I had to put it down and allow God to speak to me. And that's a word for somebody. I don't know who that's for, but put it down. Allow God to speak to you and then pick it back up. So I had to I had to put it down. And this is what this is what the Holy Spirit gave me. So Matthew 4 and 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So I was reading and I was like, so this is right after little background. So Jesus had just been baptized, right? The sky cracked open, dove came down. He had just been baptized. For all all purposes, it was he was having a good little run. Okay, well, now he's been fasting for 40 days and he's been fasting for 40 nights and a, the spirit led him in. To the wilderness. And I was like, well, the only spirit that could lead would be the Holy Spirit. Right? So, the Holy Spirit is leading him into a test. The Holy Spirit, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said. So, I was like, why does Jesus have to be put to the test? Why is it that he's Jesus? I mean, right? He's, why does he have to be put to the test? And so the Holy Spirit said, well, he was Jesus, but it's Jesus in flesh. And I was like, okay, but still Jesus. Um, If you're like me, I ask questions of the text, and so to know who Jesus is, why does he have to have a, test and it was like it's still Jesus in flesh so has anybody ever been in a wilderness anybody you felt like you were in one okay so the Holy Spirit said he had to get a win in the wilderness so you could too that's good stuff he had to get a win so he had to go into the wilderness and get that win so you could too because he was still wrapped in flesh. And then I thought, okay, well, you won't send somebody where you won't. So there was no way that he could fail. So you sent him into something that you knew there was no way he could fail because the Holy Spirit sent him in. And so then God said, I'll never send you into a wilderness that you cannot win in. <laughs> I'll never, I'll never send you into a wilderness, uh, that he knows you can't win. So he so it says, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So all these things are happening and he says and really the translation that I I don't have the translation that I that I liked because really he said it says the so he said, if you are the son of God, name If you are the son of God, then tell these stones to become bread. And I said, okay, well, that's a name. That's a name of Jesus. But it was a question behind it. So as he's going into the wilderness, he's being tempted. He knows he's weak. His enemy, his opposer knows he's weak. And then he questions who he is, but he wraps it in a statement like oh well if you're the son of god oh well if you're this great motivational speaker oh well if you're this good teacher well oh if you're this good and oh if you're this it it was a question wrapped in so so immediately i said okay well this is jesus so jesus answered him and said it is written man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of god so i said well why did he have to say anything You know, at some point, if you're Jesus, you can just not say, is that right? Yeah, you're, I'm Jesus. I don't have to respond to you. I don't have to say anything to you. I'm still God. (laughs) Once you leave, once you come back, no matter what you say, I'm still going to be Jesus. And so it was like, okay. So Satan is questioning not only his ability, but his position. So Satan is questioning not only his ability, but his position and he's doing it in such a way to kind of make him. So he's trying to get Jesus in a position where he doubts his ability and position. And why couldn't he just be quiet? Like it almost sounded like he was being, you know, he was baiting, being baited into an argument and so I was like, well, why couldn't Jesus be quiet? And so. I believe with all my heart, the Holy Spirit said, whatever spoken over you out loud has to be refuted out loud. Whatever said about you out loud has to be refuted out loud. And your silence can communicate agreement to the doubt they have about you. One more time. So you being quiet, can communicate that you're in agreement about your ability and position. It could communicate that you're in agreement with that. If you are quiet, what's said over you out loud has to be refuted out loud. And then you have to be careful of people who want to question who you are and what you can do. Oh, you, you saved you, you love God. You really love God. Oh, okay. Well, you could just go, you could just go with me one time. Just one more time. We can go to the club one more time. Okay. We can, we can, we can have one drink one more time. It's cool. Ain't nobody gonna know. I love you anyway. It's no judgment here until you do something to upset them. And then they're going to remind you of what you did. So whatever is spoken over you must be refuted out loud. Whatever said over you out loud has to be refuted out loud and it has to be refuted in time. So that means don't walk away from a situation. Allowing it to be left where something is said about you that isn't true. Don't, you can't walk away from that and let it be because really what you're walking away with you're walking away with their doubt in your thought. You're you're gonna leave with their doubt as your thought. So when you get home out of nowhere, you're going to say, Well, can I really do that? Am I really called to do that? Is it really me that's supposed to do this? So we're back at four. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So this is Jesus, certainly older. And a lot of times in the Bible, well, in the Bible, you see Jesus being born as a baby. You don't really hear much about him being a toddler. And then you hear about him at 12 years old when he was in the temple. So I said, where did Jesus know the word? I know there's like, well, this is Jesus. He was born. But. The word was being inspired and written by people, and Jesus is still, he's still the main character. So how did he know to say, it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds that comes from the mouth of God. Where did he get that from? Because he, he's the main character of this book being inspired and written. But it just came out. So let's go to Luke, Luke 2. So the, the boy Jesus at the temple, Luke 2, verse 41, we're going to go to 49. Every year his parents went to Jerusalem. Now make note of Jerusalem, okay? Every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to custom after the feast was over while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it thinking he was in the company of family and friends. Thinking he was in the company of family and friends. They traveled for one whole day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him after three days days they found him in the temple courts, sitting along with teachers listening to them and asking them questions everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers because at about this time he was 12 years old when his parents saw him they were astonished his mother said to him son why have you treated us like this your father and i have been anxiously searching for you why were you searching for me he said Don't you know I had to be in my father's house? So Jesus knew what to say to his enemy in Matthew, the fourth verse, the fourth chapter, Matthew four, the fourth chapter. He knew what to say because he had already been surrounded by people who knew the word. He already was in the company of people who he could dialogue and discuss the word with. He was already, he was already around people. So at the appointed time when he needed the word, it just came out. He didn't have to search for it. It just came out. So who's in your company? Who are you surrounded with? Do they make you want to know the word more? And if you are in a situation where you call them, would they know enough word to give you? Would they have enough to give you? Because at this point, even what you faith comes by hearing, correct? And hearing by the word of God even when you hear something wrong if you believe it you don't believe it's wrong <laughs> even you you heard something wrong it wasn't true and when you find out it wasn't true the first thing you said was well it probably was it could have been well we don't know the whole story that sound like something they would do that sound like something she would say even when you, it's proven that what you've been told is a lie, you still believe the lie. And I tend to believe that when you hear something about you, even though it's a lie, because you believe it, you hold on to it. You have believed the lie. And you've heard it enough that now you believe you've earned it. See, when you lie or truth, you hear it enough, you get to the point where you take ownership of it. So I've heard it enough, whether it be the truth or a lie, that now I think I've earned it. So now that I believe I've earned it, it's hard for me to let it go. Because it's almost like a prize. I won this. And you never want to give up your winnings on somebody you never want to give up your winnings whether it's the truth or a lie you hold on to it and you believe it but in order to prep for your next big thing you got to be surrounded by the right thing right now in order to prep for your next big thing you got to be surrounded by your right thing right now? Because if you leave the service today and you're suddenly thrust into a wilderness, do you know what to say to get out? Do you have what you need? Do you have an understanding of what God called you? Do you even know what your name is according to who God is to me? And this story, Jesus is, is talking to someone. As if he already knows. He never debated his name. He he never debated his name. Come on, let's look. So then it says, then the devil took him to the holy city. The holy city is Jerusalem. So then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you, lift you up with their hands and that you will, and that you will not strike your foot against the stone. So Satan says, oh, you got the word? So do I. Oh, you want to quote scriptures now? So can I. Oh, you want to remind me what God said? Guess what? I was there. I probably wrote a song about it. Guess what? I was there. So he takes him and was interesting to me. I said, the holy city, the holy city is Jerusalem. So you took him back to the place for which he learned something. (sighs) He took Jesus back to the place where he was surrounded by the right thing. Took him back to the very place. He heard the word. He took him back to the very place. Better said, he took him back to the very place he learned God. And said, now, you back here. So now, you've come back to church. So now, you decided to become a member again. So now, you've decided you're going to be active in ministry again. So now, and then uses the word because he calls him the son of God again. So if you're the son of God, then take yourself up here and throw yourself down. So if you really call to Harvest Church, put yourself on this team and see what happens. So if you're really supposed to be here, if you're really supposed to be here, say hi to her and see if she says hi back. Come on, somebody. Come on. So if you're really, if this is really supposed to be where you are, where you're supposed to be, this is really what you're supposed to be doing. Show me. That's all, that's all your, that's all the enemy was saying. Show me. So Jesus, again, never refuting his name. He didn't argue about a name. I'm not I'm not arguing about something I am why do I have to argue with you about who I am and if I was not that you would not be trying to convince me I was not if I was not the son of God you wouldn't be trying to convince me otherwise if I was not the greatest accountant principal teacher Uh, firefighter, whomever, you wouldn't be trying to convince me I'm not. Better, if I was not really saved, you would not be trying to convince me I was not. If the grace of God had not already washed and cleansed, if the blood of Jesus had not already washed and cleansed, you would not be trying to convince me because you don't waste time with people who don't have nothing going. I ain't afraid of nobody who already going to hell. What does Satan have to fight you for if you already going to hell? But if it's been a fight, I would dare say he's afraid of who you are. I would dare say that when you wake up in the morning, he gets nervous. Who Have you made him nervous lately? Have you added something to his alarm in the morning? When your feet touch the ground, does he look over and say, she's up? He's up. I don't know what they're going to say today. I don't know who they're going to bless today. I don't know what word they're going to hear today, but she's up. So he says, he will command his angels concerning you. And they will lift, lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So after he took him back to the place of his impartation. See, Jesus will test, not Jesus, your enemy will test you at the place of your impartation. He will test you at the place of your impartation. So something's been spoken over your marriage. Get ready. Good. Something's an impartation has happened to your marriage. Get ready. He's going to test it at the point of the impartation. And then if he's doing a good job, you'll blame the place of the impartation. Good God of mercy. You'll blame the place of the impartation instead of realizing this is an attack because see if the impartation didn't take why do I have to fight you for it if what was said wasn't true why do I have to fight you to believe it's not true so I'm going to take you back to the place of your impartation Let's just say, I'm going to take you back to the place of Harvest Church where your man of God has imparted something to you. And then I'm going to disrupt something, mess up something. And then the place of your impartation no longer seems holy but hellacious. So you don't like coming? My God, today. You don't, you don't want to come. It's too hard. And, and I'm, I feel like every time I go, I'm fighting. Yes, you're fighting to keep your impartation, not to get past personalities. Sheesh. Yikes. You're fighting to keep what was imparted to you. You're fighting to keep what had you on your knees at this altar and crying out to God. You're fighting to keep the freedom you felt. You're fighting to keep the word God gave you that saved your life. You're fighting to keep that, not get past somebody's personality, hi or hello. Good God. Satan will try to use the very word that freed you to bound you back up. The very thing that loosed you will be the very thing he tries to use to tie you back up. So he says, Jesus answered him and says, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. And this I will give you. And that was funny to me because I was like, so you take him up to another high spot and you show him your kingdom and say, if you just bow to me, this can be yours. And I'm like, the very thing my father created, you're going to try to give me? (laughs) You didn't hear me. So the very thing, so my father said, let there be light, and there was. My father said, let there be trees and seas and land and separate the land from the water. He did all of this. But now you're going to take me to a spot and show me all of what my father created and then try to convince me you can give it to me. Because at this point, trying to convince you you're not the son of God didn't work. So now I will appeal to your ego. Now I'll appeal to something in you that feels like you want to do more. You want to be more, want your name bigger. So if you just bow to me, I'll give you this. Like this as in earth, like the footstool of my father. Like you're trying to give me that. And I think at that point, which for me, I probably would have done been done way before now. I probably, which is why I'm not Jesus, wouldn't have not have gotten through the test because I would have just said, angels, handle this, please. Like, there's nothing else for me to just handle this. But Jesus walked through it. And he gets to this point and he just simply says, be gone. Like one translation says, be gone. So I said, what in my world do I just need to say, be gone? What in my surroundings do I just need to say, be gone? What, what is in my house? What is at my job? What is with my children? What is it that I just need to point and say, be gone? And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in splendor. And all this I will give you, he said, if you would just bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him today. And then it says the devil left. Just be gone. We serve one God. I serve one God. That's it. Be gone. So me not being worthy, be gone. Me not being enough. Be gone. Me not being effective enough. Be gone. Me not being saved enough. Be gone. Me not being faithful enough. Be gone. What names do you need to tell? Be gone. And I I started to think. Had. Jesus. Said okay. I'll take it. Do we realize what was at risk? If he if he hadn't taken the buyout, the payout. What was at risk? You were. You were at risk. You. If he had bowed then, he couldn't have died later. So he still, even in his weakness, still after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, chose you because he didn't want to put you at risk. So I ask you, if you take the payout, you personally, if you take the payout, if you take the bait that's been given, To whom are you putting at risk? Who, who in your world are you putting at risk? Who will never get there because you're not there? Who won't ever have because you don't have? Who won't ever come to know him because you are not in your spot? What are you putting at risk? We, we spend a lot of times rehearsing the names of our past, our mirror, and our surroundings. Past is in what happened back then. Past is even what happened yesterday. Our mirror. What you look in the mirror and say to yourself. When you look in your mirror in the bathroom, when you look in the mirror in your room, when you look in the mirror, even if it's as simple as, listen, you looking in the mirror saying, oh, I need to lose a few pounds. Be careful because you'll convince yourself you're not worthy. You need to work on it, work on it. You need to adjust, adjust, but be careful what you tell yourself while you're adjusting. Girl, you look real good. We're going to improve upon the good. Come on, somebody, come on, you looking real good, but we're going to improve upon the good child. I didn't think it get no better than this, but it's about to. I ain't think it get no better than this, but it's about to, you have to be careful what you say because your mind will park in areas that are already bruised. Your mind will park in areas that are already bruised and then convince you you're not worthy. And then you go back to what you've earned and then because you've earned it, you feel like it's a win. So you hold on to it. Then we, we keep it up because for whatever reason, we we then we perpetuate that onto our children. You don't tell them that they're not. You don't tell them they're, they're too big. You don't tell them they're too small. You just tell them, oh, you, you might need to put on an undershirt with that. It's subtle. It's subtle. Oh, you might not want to try that. Don't do that. They tell you they want to be the greatest wrestler in history, and you say, no, 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 no. You might not. You might not want to do that. Because somebody told you, no, no, no. You might not want to do that. Somebody told you we're too big to dance, too small to dance, not pretty enough to dance. You can't be a ballerina. So now you tell your child, no, no, no. We won't try dance. Let's try instrument. Subtle. Now the place for which you're bruised, you've bruised your children. And then y'all connect on being bruised instead of anointed. And then we want our children to find the place of their gifting and their glory and their anointing. And they don't know how because you've never been there either. So how do you send a pathway to your child to get to their anointing, to get to their purpose and their calling and you haven't gotten there either? And every time you take one step forward, something tells you what you're incapable of and you believe it. I said, I'm going back to school. My children are out of school. Everybody's out of the house. I'm going back to school. I'm gonna get this degree. And then two days later it's Oh, I'm too old to go back to school. I won't be able to, I won't be able to do that. I'm just, I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not going to try. I'll do something else. So once it was, I'm going to wait till the children go to school all day when they get in, you know, elementary school, preschool. I'm going to wait till then. Then you said, I'm going to wait till they get out of elementary school. Then you said, I'm going to wait till they get out of high school. Then you said, I'm going to wait till they get out of college. Now they're 40. And what you purpose to do, you still haven't done. And then you want to blame your children. And then when your children don't produce and become so per- successful or successful in, your, in what your mind's perception says they should be, then you want to be upset talking about you put stuff on hold. Did nobody tell you to do that? Sheesh. Nobody tell you, put that on hold. Nobody tell you to do that. And then you, you get upset with your children because they are living their best life in the zone and in the realm that they like and they love and you don't like it because you don't have that kind of freedom. Because everything is, what is somebody going to say? Who is somebody? Well, what is, what is going to say? Who? And why do all the ha- somebodies have something to say about you? Why, why do all the somebodies have something to say about you? Because we never say we never say, "Oh, Sally said." We always say, "Somebody said." Who is somebody? Oh, well, you know they said. Who is they? And why do they and somebody always have more control over what you do than you do? And I know some things, I know some things as a child, it scarred you. I know some things as a child, it hurt. Mom wasn't present, or dad wasn't present, or any of that. But did you know, guess what I discovered? Your mom or your father not being present doesn't have to stop you. And your mom and your dad or your cousin or whatever happened that I do not make light of that happened to you, do you know that had nothing to do with you? Because sometimes we take what happens to us personally, we take what somebody did to us personally, and we feel like what they did was to us because we were unworthy, because we weren't tall enough, short enough, small enough, whatever. We weren't this, so my father didn't want to be around. Because I wasn't a boy, my father didn't want to be around. Because I wasn't this, my father and my mother didn't want to be around. Do you know that had nothing to do with you and everything to do with them? That was their issue. So now that you know the box that was given to you wasn't for you, it was for them, gift that box back to them. Send that box back to their address. I cannot carry your mistakes. <clears throat> You're walking around with 50 people in your head. Because you're trying to atone for the 50 mistakes, the 50 people who made mistakes over you. That ain't yours. It was never yours. And yes, they do owe you a balance. And yes, there is a balance that they left on your heart. And guess what? Can't nobody pay it but them. And guess what? They don't have the capacity to pay it. That's why it's been left unpaid. They do not have the capacity to pay what they owe you. So since the ticket still has a balance on it, send the ticket back to their house. Or bury it where they're buried. You holding balances of people who ain't here no more. Better said, because you don't know what happened at the point for which they passed and transitioned over, you holding stuff for people who may be in glory, worshiping God, and you're still holding their balance that they owe you. Let it go. And I know sometimes that's easier said than done, but once you really realize That ugly, unworthy, forgotten, rejected, unlovable, garbage, forever broken, second place, living in the shadow of somebody else's calling and anointing, disgusting, lonely, mean. Once you discover those things aren't you, once you discover that that's not me, you can let it go. Once you decide to let go of your winnings. Then you'll know, that's not you. None of these things did God call you. So that means when these things come to try to tell you differently, when these names, when you're being called these names, it's a whole lie. Even when you was in your mess, it was a lie. Cause that wasn't you. Everything that isn't like God that happens to be maybe on you by you side, beside you, kind of next to you that people want to try to call you. Guess what? It's a lie. It has never been true. And today is the day you answer to another name. On the eighth day, they call Jesus by his name, the name that was given to him before he was even born. And your past says something, your mirror says something else, and your surroundings say something else. And the interesting thing is, it's never positive and you you know what I discovered why it's never positive because you're not in a positive place (laughs) it's your surroundings are talking bad to you and your mirrors talking bad to you your surroundings are talking bad to you because you're not in a good place you're not in a positive place Because to be in a good place is to say, be gone. To be in a good place says, it is written. To be in a good place says, it is written. The man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God concerning me. To be in a good place. So that means when you're in a good place, that means past has to line up. When you're in a good place, that means surroundings have to line up to be in a good place means the mirror has to line up. And that doesn't mean covering it up. That means digging it up and giving it to God. These are lies and you can have it because a lot of times we do that too. We'll cover up whatever's going on. We think that makeup is covering you up when you, when you really look more broken. Makeup doesn't cover you up a new outfit doesn't cover you up. It does. It doesn't cover you up. It just allows us to see. How broken you are. Especially after you open your mouth. We can gauge where you are. I can gauge where I am. So, you know, what I've also learned if I don't have nothing nice to say about myself, i will be quiet. I'm just gonna in this moment till this thing pass, till I can say it is written, till this pass, I'm I'm going to be quiet. Because if I don't say it out loud, I don't have to refute it out loud. So I don't believe it. Even if you got to ride in your car and be like, I don't believe it, your husband's gonna be like, What? What I don't believe it. He'll catch on. If you at work, and they tell you you messed it up again you've done it wrong again you've done it wrong again. I I don't believe it I don't believe it you're just incapable of doing this I don't know why I gave this to you this product is not for you I I don't believe it you're not a good wife you're a bad mom you don't do this you're not attentive you don't pay attention you don't I, I don't believe it that's not my name That's not my name. Ugly, unworthy, forgotten, rejected, unlovable, garbage, forever broken, second place, living in the shadow of someone else's calling, disgusting, lonely, mean, or whatever else names. But do you really know what God called you? So let me tell you what your names are. Say, what's my name? Say, what's my name? So John 15 and 15 calls you a friend first Thessalonians one and four calls you chosen Ephesians two and 10 calls you a workman craftsmanship handmade for the Bible says you were fearfully and wonderfully made and to fear you is not to be afraid of you to be fearfully and wonderfully made means God stood in awe of you. Come on somebody. 1 Corinthians 6 and 19 says you are the residence of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 and 8 says you are a messenger of God. Galatians 3 and 26 says you are a child of the Most High King. Romans 5 and 8 says you are greatly loved. John 8 and 36 says you are free and free indeed. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says you are brand spanking new. Come on, somebody. That's what God says about you. That's what he says on a regular basis. That's what God believes when you get up in the morning. That's how God feels when you get up in the morning. That's why God is glad when you get up in the morning. That's why God is happy when you got a smile on your face. That's why God is glad when you say, that's not my name, because that's not what he named you. You got a new name today. So I ask you, what's your name? What's your name? And one more time from the people in the back, John 15 and 15 says you're a friend. First Thessalonians says in one and four says you're chosen. Ephesians two and 10 says you are workmanship handmade. First Corinthians six and 19 says you're the residence of the Holy spirit, a temple of God. Acts one and eight says you're a messenger of God. Galatians three and 26 says you're a child of the most, High King Romans five and eight says you are greatly loved. John eight and 36 says you're free and free indeed. Second Corinthians two and second Corinthians five and 17 says you're brand new. Tell them trouble is loading. Oh, I'm about to be a problem. Matter of fact, I'm already a problem. Now just everybody know, oh, it's a problem. Tell them, say, tell all of hell trouble is loading. <laughs> tell them trouble is loading. That has been my, in my text messages, that's been my new, because one of my friends said the other day, she was like, oh, you think you, uh, you think you're out at, you think you're new. And I said, trouble is loading. So I don't want anybody surprised. I don't need anybody to feel left out. I don't need that. Trouble on this side is loading. Good trouble, but trouble nonetheless. Oh, I, I plan for, I plan for all of hell to wake up before me. You know, it's time for her to get up. So, so what's she going to do today? So she said yes to preach again. Oh, she going to be anointed again. Oh, she going to do this again. Oh, I'm going to do it again. And then I'm going to do it again after that. And then I'm going to do it again after that. And then I'm gonna do it again after that because trouble is loading and every time I stand in the place I'm supposed to stand somebody else can stand in the place they're supposed to stand where are you supposed to be standing now that our names have gotten correct now that I know what I'm supposed to be answering to now that I know who calls me and what he calls me Where are you to be standing? Where's your spot? Where's your place? Where are you supposed to be standing? I'm, I'm, I'm really asking. Now, where's your place? Now, where are you standing? Where are you supposed to be? Now that I know my name, now that I know what I'm supposed to answer to, now that I know who's calling. what's my name? Where's my place? Where are you supposed to be standing? Wow, what an amazing message. Thank you for listening to our Pathway to Faith broadcast. If you're ever in the Kansas City metro area, join Bishop and Dr. Howe at Harvest Church International Outreach, 4300 North Quarrington Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri, 64117. Or catch our services live online at www.harvestchurchkc.org. Be blessed.